Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Once again, the Bays team is the best team, the Golden State Warriors. Welcome to a brand new episode of Strength in Numbers on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Brandon Cadiz. Great to have you all listening to this edition of Strength in Numbers. The Golden State Warriors have come out at the end of their seven-game road trip with a record of 5-2, and 6-3 and three overall, and some home cooking coming up for the Warriors. Eight of their next ten games are at Chase Center. We are here to recap the back end of that road trip as they come off a thrilling loss to the Denver Nuggets, 108-105, to a lot to unpack there. Got a victory out of OKC in that play-in tournament, a game winner by Steph. Then, of course, the Warriors traveled to Cleveland where they had some trouble with the younger athletic bigs. We'll break that down a little later too. And just a dominant win against the Detroit Pistons. And now it'll take us all back to the Denver Nuggets and Nikola Jokic. You can follow us on our podcast page on Twitter at dubs underscore strength. Follow me, Brandon, on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I'll be covering everything Golden State Warriors. You can follow me at High Brand Flakes. The Warriors stood their ground and ultimately lost by three points, but a lot of takeaways in this contest, such as the emergence of Trace Jackson Davis. We saw some minutes from Brandon Pajemski as well. Because of Draymond Green being out due to personal reasons, Gary Payton II being out of this contest due to an illness that he had, and for the Denver Nuggets. It's the MVP, Nikola Jokic, ultimately getting Denver, securing the victory as he had a 35-point, 13-rebound, 5-assist performance, one of eight from beyond the arc. We'll break that down a little later as why he started off that way. For the Warriors, your leading scorer was Steph Curry with 23 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists. And the Warriors had two opportunities to send this game into overtime. Unfortunately, did not go their way. Steph Curry had an opportunity to get a layup and tie the game and send it into OT. Just a miss there by Steph Curry. And, you know, a couple missed free throws. Reggie Jackson uh, missed a free throw. Nikola Jokic missed both free throws after the Warriors were down 107-105. And then Reggie Jackson missed a free throw putting Denver up 108-105. to And Chris Paul got the rebound, sent an outlet pass to Klay Thompson just a little bit over him, right in front of him. Klay got it with about one second, released it, and it just slipped out of his hand. Klay was disappointed. He had his hands and his head on the padding underneath the basket. And the Warriors, though, they come out of this road trip only losing two games at the back end against Cleveland and against Denver. So they're 5-2 and two on the road, 1-1 one and one at home. They stand currently fourth in the Western Conference standings, right behind Denver at 8-1, Dallas 6-2, and, and Minnesota at 5-2. Before we break more in this before we break down more in this episode, we'll have to talk about our sponsors that sponsor strength in numbers every single week, and that's Bet Online. 
The last of the three major pro sports leagues is off and rolling and college basketball is ready to go as well. BetOnline remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, NCAA football, UFC, and NHL are all in full swing. BetOnline is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to the Bet Online website today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. Once again, that's BELIEVE, B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, this contest against the Denver Nuggets, the Warriors opened up with Dario Saric in their starting lineup. With Draymond Green out, Steve Kerr elected to go Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Dario Saric, and Kevon Looney. Kevon Looney opened up against Nikola Jokic, and the Warriors did a tremendous job early on with Jokic, letting him shoot those open three-pointers, and Jokic started off 0 for 5 from beyond the arc, and the Warriors were happy with that. The key to stopping Nikola Jokic coming into the game, and as we've seen during that championship run, was make Nikola Jokic a scorer. As crazy as that sounds, don't let him dish out the assists, because as I mentioned earlier, Jokic finished this contest with five assists. Once he gets others involved, Denver becomes even more dangerous than what they already are. And we saw a couple big three-pointers late in clutch situations by Michael Porter Jr. Warriors were fortunate that MPJ didn't start off so hot, but when it came down to the clutch moment, two big blocks by Michael Porter Jr., one on Kaminga as he was backing down his defender, he was the help side guy, came up and blocked him. Moody tried to do the same thing on the following possession. He got blocked, and Michael Porter Jr. hit a big three-pointer with one second left on the shot clock to give Denver the lead late in that fourth quarter, and Nuggets started running away with that lead, whether it was one or two points. They were just constantly getting over and over, but... Kevon Looney started off with Nikola Jokic. Loon Dog, 10 points, 8 rebounds. He had 5 fouls late in this contest there in the fourth quarter. Steve Kerr elected to play him, have the confidence there. But we have to talk about the rookie out of Indiana, Trace Jackson Davis. 8 points, 2 rebounds. And after he got blown by on a drop step by Nikola Jokic when he was first inserted into the game, he did a great job on Nikola Jokic himself as well. He provided this factor on both the offensive and defensive end on the floor, got an and one opportunity off of a lob that was a great play design. Trace Jackson Davis, I tweeted out during the game, he's the guy that helps you at passing, whether it's coming off the screen. He's a great screen setter, right? He has the ability to lob it up to someone else. We saw a couple of late lobs by Kevon Looney late in this game in the dunker position to Jonathan Kaminga. Trace Jackson Davis, I think, can be that type of player as he develops, coming off that screen, rolling, and being able to hit a guy on the pass, whether it's on the dunker spot or kick it out to an open three-point shooter, whether it's Steph, whether it's Clay, maybe even a Dario Saric. But Trace Jackson Davis really impressed me with his aggressiveness on the offensive end and his willingness to compete on the defensive end. And here's Stephen Curry talking about that and what impressed him the most about Trace Jackson Davis. The first time Trace played against the big... Now the caliber of Jokic, how do you think he did? He did great. I mean, Jokic is a beast. He averages whatever he averages against the whole league. So you, you know, it's tough to stop him. You just try to make him work. I think after the first possession where he spun baseline and they called foul, I think he kind of understood angles and you know just being ready to play and and then making him guard him on the other end too. Uh, 
that's where Trace can bring us on both ends of the floor. He got a lob and one. Got to the free throw line a couple times in the second half. Uh, made a transition layup where he's putting pressure on on their entire team at the rim. So he plays with confidence and he'll understand the nuances of arguably the best center in the league right now. Uh, arguably him and Joel. So like it's it's a tall task, and I think he did a great job. He did a great job there, definitely for Trace Jackson Davis. Made some couple clutch free throws late to put the Warriors up 82-80 to in that fourth quarter early on. Their first lead since 2-0 to start off the game off a of Klay Thompson jumper. And the Warriors got rolling with Trace Jackson Davis. I expect him to see more minutes going forward. Uh, we remember a couple of episodes ago where there was that debut game for Trace Jackson Davis and... Uh, Brandon Pajemski, uh, they saw their minutes there, and Pod saw 11 minutes in this contest too. But yeah, like I said, the rookies are stepping up this season. Steve Kerr is going to call their number, and they got assigned to Santa Cruz before this game um, against the Denver Nuggets. Um, in that Cleveland game, they really missed him. Draymond talked about that energy that they needed from these young rookies. And I think Brandon Pajemski with Gary Payton the second being out really saw and thrived with that opportunity. In 11 minutes, he had five points, uh, three rebounds, and two assists. And I forgot to mention all of the starters were minus on the plus-minus scale in this contest. And the bench were all pluses in the plus-minus scale. And it just talks about strength and numbers being back for this team. One of their key strengths this season, of course, the depth that... Steve Kerr has talked about, and it's continued to play a factor this early in the season. Now, Steph Curry started off scoreless in the first quarter in this contest and ultimately still finished with those 23 points. I got to give credit where credit is due, and that's Contavious Caldwell-Pope. He's done a great job of guarding Steph Curry throughout Steph's career. We saw what he did with the Lakers, too, in last season, or with the Lakers in previous seasons. And KCP is the type of defender that just knows how to guard Steph Curry off-ball or on ball, and that was that was the decision of why Steph elected to go with the two point tie rather than going for the win, as many people thought the Warriors were gonna try to do. Get out of Denver, you know, you're the road team. You try to go for the win. You try to go for that three pointer. And Steph talked a little about how KCP made it difficult and why that forced him to try to go for the layup instead of attempting a game winning three pointer at the last couple of seconds in this contest. You had a chance to tie the game with Leon. Did you know it's go for the three instead of for the win? You're kind of just reading the situation based on where KCP was guarding. I know he's probably expecting me to either step back or, you know, I've hit some of those already this year where in you know, kind of ISO situations. Once I got by him, uh, I, I like the shot I took. I'm not afraid to take it, not afraid of what happens and uh, if it goes down when you get a stop good overtime the last thing I wanted was to kind of rush a three that you know might not be the best look just knowing the situation so I just made the play I thought was the right one we'll live with that shot and it was the right play for Steph Curry he had an open lane down the middle tried to go left hand and he just missed it there's nothing that you can do we saw him hit the shot over a taller Chet Holmgren we know the controversy that happened there with the whole goaltending offensive call of Draymond initially and it got changed to 
Steph Curry making the game-winning basket. Back-to-back -back nights of .2-second victories for the Golden State Warriors. A clay step-back jumper against the Sacramento Kings that we talked about on the last episode of this podcast. And right after, the next day, Steph Curry does the same thing with .2 seconds left against the Oklahoma City Thunder. They give them their first play-in tournament victory. And we'll get back into that a little later in my thoughts on the play-in tournament so far. But Steph made the right decision, just didn't hit the right shot. And Klay Thompson, you know, he did all he could off after that rebound by Chris Paul and the missed free throw by Reggie Jackson to try to give it to Klay Thompson for a chance to win. And I don't think he would have gotten that off, even if he did get it off in time. Excuse me, not if he did get it off in time, but if Klay shot that and it went in, he would have not gotten it off in time. It looked like the ball was still going to be in his hands off that difficult pass. I think Klay Thompson did really well in this game. 15 points, 5 of 12, 2 for 8 from beyond the arc. Sure, his shooting numbers don't look too well, but he did a great job on the defensive end, in my opinion, really standing his ground, whether he was put on Contavious Caldwell-Pope or had to guard a guy like Michael Porter Jr. I think Clay was formidable there. He was looking good on the defensive end. Andrew Wiggins, on the other hand, man, another tough game for two-way Wiggs. 11 points, 5 rebounds, 4 of 13, 0 for 3 from beyond the arc and we want to see those rebounding numbers up five not bad right and three of those five were offensive rebounds had a chance for second chance opportunities for the golden state warriors just couldn't get those second chance points down with Nikola Jokic or Aaron Gordon and their athleticism down there to combat Andrew Wiggins and for Andrew Wiggins it was tough in the second half to say the least uh, for Wiggs himself he went for was it no excuse me Andrew Wiggins you know we talked about his total numbers there I meant the first half it was a tough first half for Andrew Wiggins two points a minus eight went 0 for 4 from the field he hit those two free throws that he needed to hit I'm glad that he stepped up there in the second half you know really making his first couple of shots four for nine 44 percent for Wiggins and those nine points is what he did in the second half I think the Warriors need to start getting some set plays for Andrew Wiggins whether it is off of a screen, off the split action, him cutting to the basket. Put the ball in his hands early and try to let him cook from inside the perimeter. Wiggins has been taking a lot of those uh, turn to the basket fadeaway jumpers. Let's try to get him off those cuts, right? Let's try to play him like a GP2 off those cuts. Because late in that second half, we saw the opportunities of him cutting to the basket, getting a dunk, you know, getting a layup. Let Wiggins get his shots at the rim and work his way out. Just like, you know, it's, it's the most common and easiest saying that we say for basketball players, start inside and then go to the outside. That's literally what Andrew Wiggins needs to do. Now, last podcast, I said I would give 20 games until I officially panic for Andrew Wiggins, but I would be lying if I said it wasn't hard to watch. Seeing Andrew Wiggins play this way in his first nine games of the season on the season so far, 10 points, 3.6 rebounds, shooting 40% from the field, 15% from beyond the arc, and 56% at the free throw line. Something needs to change here for Andrew Wiggins. I'm not saying take him out of the starting lineup or anything like that, but I think this homestand, this home cooking, eight of their next 10 games at home at Chase Center, the fans are going to definitely help him out. Some home cooking here at home for two-way wigs, I think he'll find his stride within this. And hey, you see Cleveland again, maybe you want to try to get against your former team once again. And then you also see Minnesota twice, one of your other former teams. 
twice, back-to-back -back nights. You'll see Cleveland, Minnesota back-to-back, -back, OKC on a back-to-back, -back, but both the Minnesota and OKC games, you have a day break in between those back-to-back -back on the home end. Then you go to Houston, to Phoenix, back home against Wembenyama, and on the road against the Sacramento Kings once again. You get your nationally televised game on TNT Thursday there for the Sacramento Kings, Tuesday, excuse me, TNT Tuesday for the Sacramento Kings game. And then you get the play-in tournament game against Anthony Edwards and the uprising Minnesota Timberwolves, Rudy Gobert there too, Carl Anthony Towns on Tuesday, November 14th. And then you get the play-in tournament game on Friday, November 24th against Victor Wembanyama and the San Antonio Spurs. Wembanyama has an up-and-down season so far. Come, the rookie of the year is going to come down between him and Chet Holmgren, and it looks like Holmgren is outplaying out him to start off the year on both the offensive and the defensive ends there for the OKC guy out of Gonzaga University. But back to the point I'm saying, Wiggins is going to find himself. If after 20 games he's still looking this way, that's probably when I want to have a conversation of maybe bringing him off the bench. I'm not saying to do that right now. There's no need to panic right now. I trust in two-way wigs. I saw what he did in the playoffs during the Boston Celtics in the NBA Finals as well. He was arguably the second best player on the team that season and that series, especially in the NBA Finals. There was even talks about Andrew Wiggins stealing the Finals MVP trophy. Like, that was ridiculous to even have that conversation. Andrew Wiggins, we see what his highest ceiling can possibly be. This is the lowest floor that he'll possibly have in his career. So, I think he'll flip that switch. Klay Thompson started off really slow, but I think he's continued to find his stride. And like I said, he knows when to shoot the mid-range shot. He's not forcing the threes like he did last season in the playoffs, especially against the Los Angeles Lakers. And the Warriors are rising, right? To come out of this road trip and to start off with a record like 6-3 and three and only losing two on the road, and especially just on the back end of that seven-game road trip, it's something to take away and build on because in this homestand, I say if looking at it initially, I'm going to say that they go seven and three, maybe they lose in Phoenix and maybe they lose one of the games on those back to backs of Minnesota and OKC or even a Cleveland game there. You know, I think the Warriors can go seven and three in this road trip. So or in this homestand, that'll put them at 13 and five through 18 games. If that happens, that is a great start to the season. They'll be top five, in my opinion, in the Western Conference. And I think they'll be top three, ultimately, at the end of it all. The Warriors are looking like everything is clicking. And to have a performance like this against the Denver Nuggets, minus a GP2, minus a Draymond Green, to have the rookies step up in a role like this. And we got to also talk about Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga, right? The mentorship by Chris Paul. Chris Paul had nine points, five rebounds, and four assists. And I think overall the game went well, right? But there was a couple of inexcusable three-point shots that I think Steve Kerr could have drawn up better and give the Warriors a better shot, not just let Chris Paul jack up a three or Andrew Wiggins jack up a three to try to take the lead um, late in this game. Um, I think... You know, a set play design would have been nice, right? I think Chris Paul's shot a three-pointer to try to take the lead late in this contest with under a minute. And 
you know, I was just like, you have Steph Curry, right? You know, you have Klay Thompson. Why are we taking a three-pointer when you have the two greatest shooters late in this game? It was 105-102, and Chris Paul tried to tie it up here. Um, Andrew Wiggins also shot a three-pointer, I believe, in that fourth quarter uh, late to try to put the Warriors up. And, hey, the he missed it at 238. The Warriors were down 98-101. to 101. Set up a play design there from Steve Kerr to your greatest shooters. And I know Steph Curry was basically double, triple teamed off ball a lot of the times. And KCP did a great job, like I said earlier. But I think we can get a better shot out of that. Now, Chris Paul, manning the second unit. He's been great. He's had a, a almost an 11 to 1 turnover to assist ratio. He barely turns the ball over. We saw those stats. But Jonathan Kaminga, Steve Kerr is in his bag. And I got to give credit to Steve Kerr. I said this before, he's also playing for a new contract. We forget about that. Steve Kerr is unloading the clip. He has the opportunity to really showcase his ability and confidence in his second unit. And Jonathan Kaminga, he's allowing him to play through his mistakes this season. We've seen guys and rookies, for example, a Scotty Barnes this season leading the Toronto Raptors most likely and most improved player race, right? We saw the Sacramento Kings last season trust a young rookie like Keegan Murray on their squad to show up late in the playoffs. Now, Jonathan Kaminga is in his third year, and he's made mistakes in the past. He continues to still make mistakes of maybe some boneheaded turnovers, just trying to drive down the lane, or just the ball going off his foot while he's driving. But courtesy of Peter O'Keefe on Twitter, First half totals for Jonathan Kaminga before that Denver Nuggets game. Two points, one of 15 shooting, five turnovers, and four fouls. Second half totals before the Denver Nuggets game in the past three games. So that's OKC, that's Detroit, and that's Cleveland. 42 points, 15 of 22 shooting, one turnover, and three fouls. Now... What did he do against the Denver Nuggets, you may be asking? Was it a repeat performance of first half versus second half once again? Well, lucky for you, I have the numbers right here. First half against the Denver Nuggets for our guy, Jonathan Kaminga. He only had two points and two assists and 0 for 1 from the field. Not bad at all. No turnovers for him. He loved to see the no turnovers. Second half is where we saw Jonathan Kaminga get his eight points, have three rebounds, and he shot two for two from the free throw line there. Um, three for eight from the field for Jonathan Kaminga in that second half as well. I did say in the first half that he didn't take a shot, but that is incorrect. He was one for four in that first half. But once again, Jonathan Kaminga, the more playing time you give J.K., the more he'll succeed and his confidence will continue to grow. And I think Steve Kerr has done a tremendous job of that. Now, the starting lineup decision, a lot of Dub Nation on Twitter was saying, why Dario Saric? You know, he got cooked early whenever, not early, throughout the game when Nikola Jokic was on him. It was basically an automatic point for Nikola Jokic. If he wasn't shooting it from beyond the arc, he was just cooking Dario Saric on the inside. And credit to... The Denver Nuggets, I said coming into this game, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr. would be those athletic bigs, athletic bigger guys in the 3-4 position that would cause havoc. And double-double for the 
San Jose guy in the Bay Area, Archbishop Medi, Aaron Gordon, 14 points, 11 rebounds, MPJ with a 17-8, and big threes later on in this contest to help Denver secure that victory and those two big blocks. That is something the Denver Nuggets are going to do this entire season. For the NBA, this is going to be a matchup they won in the Western Conference Finals. If this series goes seven games in the Western Conference Finals, man, the NBA is in for a treat. They're getting all their revenue money and whatnot. But we got to remember, too, for the Denver Nuggets, they looked really great without Jamal Murray as well, able to secure the victory. And Jamal Murray out with that hamstring injury for at least the month of November is what was reported. The bench is where the Nuggets struggle and their free throws as well. 29th in free throws in the NBA was what was said on the broadcast. And their bench only had, let's see here, their totals on the bench for this game, 12 points. 16 minutes for Gillespie, 16 minutes for Brown. And for Watson, we saw 11 minutes of him. Now, the Warriors, you know, had their starters, you know, do what they needed to do. Uh, Denver Nuggets starters, that is, and that's where the majority of their points came from. Now, the bench depth there is something that I think Denver is going to improve throughout the entire season. Maybe they swing a trade and, you know, try to improve that bench because it wasn't looking too good there, in my opinion. That's where the Warriors' strength and numbers overplays that without GP2 and Draymond Green. But once again, the Warriors lose the contest to close out the first seven games of the road on the season, 108 to 105. And to have five wins almost halfway through your total of road wins last season at 11, they're going to eclipse that easily within the first two months of the season. Now, we got to talk about the playing tournament. I think it is great that opening night contest against the Oklahoma City Thunder, just a back and forth, went down to the wire type of contest. It was something to see, and we had a lot of close games in that first night. Um, we've seen a couple of close games throughout the entire NBA season so far. This game against the Denver Nuggets and the Warriors came down to the wire, but right after that, another late game was going on. The Sacramento Kings taking on the Portland Trailblazers. That game went into overtime with a De'Aaron Foxless Sacramento Kings. The NBA product has been really great this season, and the play-in tournament just adds that factor. Warriors 1-0 in their playing tournament matches, and I think the Warriors are one of the favorites to win this play-in tournament, especially with their division. As I said, they're going to have the Minnesota Timberwolves and the San Antonio Spurs in this upcoming homestand for play-in tournament games. I think Minnesota could be a factor there um, with having difficulty for the Golden State Warriors because Anthony Edwards, he is emerging as being one of the next greatest two-way guards in the league. You know, you had that with Klay Thompson way back when, and Anthony Edwards can easily do that for Minnesota. He's continuing to rise. We saw that highlight windmill dunk, man, almost from the free throw line that he, you know, got on the fast break and just threw it down. A sight to see for Anthony Edwards. And Rudy Gobert continues to be a threat of being a defensive player of the year this season. Probably him and Yvonne Mobley, who we saw with the Cleveland Cavaliers and Jarrett Allen, really be a factor of causing an issue down in the perimeter for the Warriors. And I think this is where the Warriors struggles with the younger, more athletic type of bigs down low. And sure, Nikola Jokic is Nikola Jokic, a more slower big, a finesse type of guy. But when you have a Carl Anthony Towns and a Rudy Gobert, who is versatile and 
Rudy Gobert, I say, more athletic, and Carl Anthony Towns, a more a guy that's going to try to slow you down, back you up in the post. Can hit a three still, but this test against Minnesota is going to be the most interesting matchup uh, during this next 10 games, this eight-game homestand, basically, for the Warriors, and I'm looking at that back-to-back from Minnesota. Let's try to get one there from Minnesota, at least get one victory there from the Timberwolves. And that's going to help them not only in the standings overall, but also in the play-in tournament. Now I want to see the Warriors take on the Lakers, an Anthony Davis type of situation with LeBron James. They want the revenge from last season and the playoff losses, and especially the playoff loss or the play-in loss a couple of years ago too to the LA Lakers or that LeBron James three over Stephen Curry. The Lakers have had their number the past couple of seasons. I think the Warriors match up better, as crazy as it sounds, against the Denver Nuggets compared to the LA Lakers. Now the LA Lakers, they're out of the play-in tournament standings as we take a look at them at three and five, right? They struggled, they lost to the Houston Rockets. Jalen Green went off. Revenge game for... Um, Jalen Green over Austin Reeves getting selected for that Team USA game. Reeves over uh, Jalen Green. But the Warriors match up better against slower bigs. Anthony Davis, you know, out with the injury that he's had, missed the last game. We don't know when he'll be back. Of course, he'll probably be back. He's going to be back um, in that matchup against the Golden State Warriors. And the first time they see the LA Lakers this season, it's not like the Sacramento Kings, who I feel like we see every single week, every single month. They don't play the Los Angeles Lakers till January. And that is going to be something the Warriors are going to look forward to. Uh, try to, you know, try to be able to play these bigs that are coming up. Again, a Chet Holmgren, we'll see him again. A Jarrett Allen and a Yvonne Mobley type of player again. We'll see both of those guys in the homestand. Once again, let's try to get this experience against these more mobile bigs and learn how to play them before they take on a guy like Anthony Davis, one of the better bigs in this league. Now, the Warriors take on the Cleveland Cavaliers tomorrow night, 5.30 p.m. at Chase Center. Game is also available on NBA TV if you're not on the local regional here in the Bay Area like NBC Sports Bay Area. So let's take a look at the numbers in the last contest. A 115 to 104 loss against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Donovan Mitchell had 31 points, led the Cleveland Cavaliers in this contest. Uh, 24 points for Darius Garland. He is a guy that's going to be a problem for the Warriors. He's always going to try to get to the free throw line. He's a type of guy that does that James Harden, Chris Paul type of swipe get. When you're reaching in, he's going to put his hands up, both of them, and flail them up to get to the free throw line. He was 12 of 13 against the Warriors, and the Warriors did a good job of their rebounding. 44 to 54, that's where the whole discrepancy comes up. But the O-boards, the Warriors were right there out-rebounding the Cleveland Cavaliers on the O-board side, 17-13. to And it was a game where they saw Trace Jackson Davis and Brandon Pajemski also inserted and got in rotation minutes, 5 points, 4 rebounds, and 12 minutes for TJD in that contest. I think based off the performance that he had against the Denver Nuggets, he should see some more run time. Now, earlier today, Brandon Pajemski... And Trace Jackson Davis got sent down to Santa Cruz. They'll be playing their opening night game tonight in Santa Cruz against the Stockton Kings. They're going to most likely be called up tomorrow so they can be available for the contest against the Cavs once again. Trace Jackson Davis is going to be someone that will see more minutes in my opinion. 
And depending on the availability of Draymond Green and Gary Payton II, you'll probably see Brandon Pajemski as well. It might be a repeat of that Denver Nuggets game. Hopefully Draymond is back. He's most likely He most likely will be back. On the other hand, for Gary Payton II, we'll see if that illness has cleared up. I expect it to. Not any... Not any insider information here. I'm just, you know, calling it like I see it. And just if it's a flu, if it's like an illness type of deal, usually players are back the next game. And of course, for Draymond Green, personal reasons. We hope it's not an Andrew Wiggins type of personal reasons. Like last season, that took a few months. I expect Draymond Green to be back for Saturday. Now, that is all we have the time for for this episode of Strength in Numbers. We appreciate the support every single week. Once again, you can follow us on our podcast page at dubs underscore strength. You can follow me, Brandon Kiddies, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at HighBrandFlakes. I'll be live tweeting during most Warriors games, interacting with Dub Nation on Twitter, giving my thoughts and opinions with those live tweets. I come up with some reels and Instagrams about the Golden State Warriors and other news around the NBA as well. So if you want to stay updated not only on your Golden State Warriors, but other NBA trends, you can follow me there on TikTok and Instagram as well. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Strength in Numbers. And as always, until we talk next time, go Dubs! This show is presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.